You're listening to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study five days a week. While our mission is to showcase a variety of different Bible teachers, if you want to access more content from a particular pastor, simply listen to the end of the episode for additional information. On behalf of the entire team at Get Fed Today, it is our prayer that today's episode encourages your growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Teach us, Lord, that we should cast all of our cares upon you. Bring in us those changes by which we can accept your purpose and your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning we'd like to draw your attention to verse 27, where Jesus, talking to his disciples, said, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Jesus is saying, my soul is troubled. Why was his soul troubled? In verse 23, we read that Jesus answered them saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. We know from the scriptures that he was to be glorified through his death on the cross. And from the beginning, he was moving always toward the cross. At the beginning of his public ministry, when he was in Cana of Galilee and There at the wedding feast, they had run out of wine, and his mother came to him and said, Son, they've run out of wine. And Jesus said to her, What is that to me? My hour has not yet come. Mary was sort of suggesting, Son, why don't you help them out? Why don't you do a little miracle here for them? And and Jesus said, My hour has not yet come. In the seventh chapter of John, as they were wanting to arrest him, it said they could not because his hour had not yet come. Same is true in the eighth chapter, as he was teaching in the temple there by the treasury. As they were wanting to lay hold on him, they could not because his hour had not yet come. All the way through, we see it pointing towards this hour that would come. The hour in which he would glorify the Father by laying down his life to bring redemption to man. And so, Jesus coming now close to this time. Within the next few days, he will be crucified. His soul was troubled. Many times, 
we are troubled in our minds because of circumstances that God has allowed to come across our path, but we don't understand them. It's awfully hard for us, in fact, sometimes impossible to equate pain and suffering, hurt, with a loving God. Somehow I feel that because God loves me, he should never allow me to experience any pain, any sorrow, any trouble for that matter. So that it is interesting whenever we are facing trouble or pain. We all oftentimes just look at it as though, what's going on here? Doesn't God love me? I mean, I'm trying to serve God. Why is this happening to me? And our soul is often troubled by pain or by suffering when we don't understand the purposes of God for this pain. Now here is Jesus even knowing the will of the Father. Knowing the purposes of God and yet as he is facing this horrible experience of the cross and all that will surround it, he said, my soul is troubled. In the garden, as we read in Matthew, he said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Our master, our savior, with a troubled soul. Peter said, don't count it strange concerning the fiery trials which are to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. My being a child of God does not give me immunity from pain, from adverse circumstances, from sorrow and from death. These things happen to me though I am a child of God and walking in the will of the Father. Going way back in history, back to the Garden of Eden, well, just closely after the Garden of Eden, the two sons of Adam, Cain and Abel, they bring up the very question and the issue that plagues us through the centuries. Why do the wicked prosper and the godly suffer persecution? Why is it that wicked people so often get by? They don't seem to have the problems that I have. Yet here am I trying to live a godly life, trying to do the right thing, and it seems like I'm surrounded by problems. Asaph, the psalmist in the 73rd Psalm, dealt with this very issue. The book of Job is, is concerning this issue. It's a question for which we have not really found an answer. Wicked Cain killed his righteous brother Abel. 
Righteous Joseph was persecuted by his wicked brothers. They conspired to kill him, settled on selling him as a slave. He was falsely accused of attempted rape when just the opposite was true. And as a result of these false accusations, he was put in prison for years. Surely if anyone had cause to question the love of God or the loving purposes of God in their lives, it would have been Joseph. Throughout the Old Testament, we read story after story of persecution, of suffering of the men of God. So that when we come to the New Testament and the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, where we have the hall of faith, those men who are outstanding and who are noted because of the faith and the trust that they had in God. We read there in Hebrews 11 that others of these men of faith had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were tempted. They were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute. They were afflicted and they were tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. And yet they wandered in the deserts and in the mountains and in dens and in caves. Talk about injustice and the righteous suffering, we need to look at none other than Jesus Christ, our Lord. The witness concerning him was he went around doing good and healing all manner of sicknesses. And yet, look at what the wicked people subjected him to. Look at the torment, the torture, the suffering that they inflicted upon him, the mockings, the cruel mockings. And now he is ready to face these, and it's not easy. His soul is troubled. What did he do for his troubled soul? First of all, he prayed. Father, Save me from this hour. We read there in Matthew that in the garden he said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. If the redemption of man can be accomplished by any other means, if the forgiveness of sins can be made by some other way. If men can be brought into fellowship by some other means, let this cup pass from me. The Bible tells us that Jesus 
endured the cross, despising the shame. He despised what he was going to go through. He despised the shame that he was to be subjected to, the mockings, the scourgings. He despised that, but he endured it, despising the shame. But now as he is looking forward to it, as he has come to the time, as he has come to the hour when it's going to start, he is praying, Father, let this cup pass. In our text here, Father, save me from this hour, this hour of death, this hour of mocking. He prayed. And what, exam- what an example that is for us when we find our souls troubled over the circumstances that we're facing, the situation that we're in. As we look at the future and it seems so bleak, in fact, it seems worse than that. It seems like it's going to be horrible. How we need to pray how we need to come to the Father. And yes, even as Jesus asked the Father to save us from it. The Bible tells us to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. Paul said, don't be filled with care over the things around you. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... Let your request be made known unto God. Bring those things that trouble your soul to God. Come to God in prayer. But then he reasoned. He said, Father, save me from this hour. But then he reasoned, for this hour I have come into the world. This is the purpose for which I came. That I might give my life as a ransom for sin. This is the hour he had been moving towards from the beginning of his public ministry. And he recognized that the Father is in control. Of these Painful experiences that I am about to endure. The Father is still in control. Nothing is going to happen apart from the Father's purpose and apart from the Father's will. In this hour, he's going to prove to the world once and for all the extreme depth of God's love for sinning man. For God so loved the world. And what's encompassed in that so? He loved the world to the extent he gave his only begotten son. And so through this hour he's going to prove. Beyond a doubt. God's love. For you and for me. Jesus said greater love has no man than this. Than a man will lay down his life for his friends. And his laying down his life for us, there's going to be that wonderful proof of his love. 
even from the pain and the suffering, eternal good is going to come. And God's eternal purposes of good are more important than my temporal alleviation of pain. When we are faced with a troubled spirit, after we have prayed, we need to reason. We need to, again, just recognize God does love me. He has assured me of that. God is wiser than I am. And God is working out eternal purposes for the things that I am going through. God has an eternal purpose of good. He said to Jeremiah, I know my thoughts concerning thee. They are good. They are of peace and not of evil. I plan to bring you to a desired end. Realizing that God is at work in all of the circumstances of my life. Nothing happens to me but what God has allowed it to happen. And if he has allowed it to happen, then there's a good reason why he has allowed it to happen. In Hebrews, again, chapter 11, that chapter on faith, the writer tells us that there were those who were tortured, not receiving deliverance, that they might receive a better resurrection. In other words, they could have recanted their witness of God. And they could have been spared some of the torture and the suffering that they went through had they only recanted. But they refused deliverance, looking for a better resurrection. Many times when we insist on deliverance from the problem, we are actually obstructing God's eternal purposes that he is seeking to work out in our lives. Paul, who endured so much suffering for the cause of Christ, said, For I know that the present suffering is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. And then again he said, For this light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh an exceeding eternal weight of glory. Yes, I may be going through affliction now. I may be going through suffering now, but it's not worthy to be compared with the glory that I am to have when I get into heaven. This light affliction, which is only for a moment. And, and it's interesting how that whenever we are suffering, whenever we're hurting, it, it seems like time just has a way of stretching out and, and it seems like forever. Few weeks can stretch into an eternity in our thought processes when we are suffering or when we're hurting. I, I read of a church 
in which they had what they called testimony services. Opportunity for people to spontaneously stand up and give a witness for what the Lord has done in their lives, sharing with others to encourage, much as the Salvation Army does. And so when it came testimony time, this one lady stood up and told about the terrible problems that she was going through. I mean, just how that it was so heavy, she thought that she couldn't make it. She was just at that point of desperation, ready to just cave in. And she prayed and said, Lord, I just can't take it anymore. This, this burden is so heavy. This, this situation is so difficult. I hurt so bad. God, I need help. You must speak to me. And she said, I closed my eyes and I opened the Bible and I put my finger down. And she said, I opened my eyes and lo and behold, it was Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And she said, oh, I just rejoice and I just thank God and I have felt such victory. And the pastor was confused because he knows that Luke chapter 2, verse 1 reads, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. (laughs) And he wondered what comfort could she possibly get from that scripture for all of the suffering that she's going through. And so he said, Sister, would you stand up again for just a minute? He said, I'm a little confused here. He said, it was Luke chapter 2, verse 1. She said, oh, yes. And he said, well, just what comfort could you get out of that scripture for all of the suffering you're going through? And she said, well, I just read, and it came to pass. And she said, I closed the Bible and said, praise God. It didn't come to stay. It's come to pass. So often in suffering, we think it's come to stay. But God is working out eternal purposes. The light affliction which is but for a moment worketh an exceeding eternal weight of glory. First of all, Jesus prayed. He prayed about the things that troubled his soul. And then secondly, he reasoned, realizing that God's eternal purposes are being worked out through this painful experience. And then he thirdly committed himself unto the will of the Father. And so he said, Father, glorify thy name. First it saved me from this hour. Then it was, no, it's for this hour that I've come into the world. So, Father, glorify thy name. Commitment to the Father. 
You remember there in the garden as he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not what I will, thy will be done. The commitment. You do, Father, what you know to be right and what you know to be best from the eternal standpoint. Now here's where many of us fail. When it comes to that place of just commitment to the Father, committing the circumstances, committing the problem, committing the issues, just saying, well, Father, thy will be done. You work out now your eternal purpose in and through this, Lord. This is the true test of faith. Not in being delivered from the problem, but discovering God's strength and victory in the problem and thus the peace of God. It's in God's hands. He loves me. He knows what's going on. He's allowing this to happen to me for Good, an eternal purpose of good is being worked out through this experience that I'm presently going through that troubles my soul. God's at work. In the past, I have been so wrong in what I thought was right. Issues of my life, Times when my soul was troubled over my circumstances. And I was praying, God, deliver me. Save me from this hour. But as I can look back now with this keen insight that comes from hindsight, I can see where God was working His eternal purposes and now those things for which I was once complaining to God, I now give thanks to God that he allowed them to happen in my life in order that he might prepare me for those things he was wanting to do for me and through me one day. So wrong in what I thought was right. I would have thwarted God's good purposes by my prayers had I insisted on deliverance. Jesus committed himself. Not my will. Thy will be done. And thus as I look back again with hindsight, I am equally thankful for the prayers that God said no as I am for the prayers where God said yes. I can see now the wisdom in the no. I can see how God was withholding the answer to my specific prayer that he might do so much more and give so much more in his time. It's interesting to me that when Jesus came to that place of commitment, Father, glorify thy name, it was then that the Father responded and answered. He said, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. God 
always responds to the prayer of total commitment. When I release it completely to God is when I'm going to find the answers of God for those things that trouble my soul. Jesus saw the cross and realized that God's eternal purposes were going to be accomplished through his suffering there on the cross. And so in verse 32, he said, And I, if I be lifted up, that is, lifted up on that cross, God's purpose will be accomplished, and I will draw all men unto me. There they will see the love. There they will be drawn by the love of God in that he allowed me to die in their place, to take their judgment. When you are troubled, your soul is troubled by circumstances that you don't understand. First of all, pray. Prayer changes things. We've heard that before. I have discovered that often the thing that is changed in prayer is my attitude towards the situation. It changes me. It gives me the strength to endure. The capacity to accept. And then reason. Realize that God loves you supremely. He's working out his eternal plan in your life. It may bring temporary discomfort but it will also bring eternal good. And then thirdly, commit. All right, Lord, whatever you desire, whatever you purpose, whatever you want, work out, Lord, your purposes in my life. As Paul said, and we sang it this morning, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed. Lord, I commit these circumstances to you. These things that are troubling my soul, Lord, I put them in your hands. Do those things that are right in your sight. Surely Jesus was fully committed to the will of the Father. He said, I do always those things that please the Father. He said, I did not come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And because of his full commitment to the Father, he had a life of perfect peace. And he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. The perfect peace that comes from commitment. And it won't come until you have committed. But the peace of Christ. Will keep your mind and your heart. And the things of God. Once you've committed it totally to God. 
Isaiah said, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, for he trusteth in Jehovah. Commit my ways. Lord, I trust in you. I don't understand. My soul is troubled over what's happening. But Lord, I put it in your hands. And thus I rest, Father, in thee. And in your perfect will. Shall we pray? Father, we do find that many times our soul is troubled over things we don't understand. Things that you've allowed to happen to us. Suffering and pain that has come into our lives. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll help us to follow the example of our Lord, bring it to you in prayer, and then realize that you're working out your eternal plan. And thus, may we commit our ways unto you. The circumstances, the problems, may we just leave them with you that we might know the perfect peace that comes from commitment. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand? If today your soul is troubled over maybe things that have transpired this week or maybe things that are coming up in the next week or so, I would encourage you to go back to the prayer room. That's where it starts. With prayer. And there God can open up your heart to the things of eternity. Help you to realize that he is at work. He's in control. And then you can just commit it. And you can go home today singing. Singing songs of victory and confidence. I know in whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed. Lord, I commit it to you. I know you're capable. You're able, Lord, to do it. I rest in you. And may the peace of Christ which passes human understanding just keep your hearts and your minds as you walk in fellowship with him this week in the perfect peace of Christ. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Chuck Smith. If you enjoy the message, you can access more of Pastor Chuck's teaching ministry by visiting pastorchuck.org.